Good morning, New Life Mantu. Good morning. My name is Taylor. If you are able, would you please stand for the scripture reading? Today's reading is going to be from Philippians 3, 10 through 16. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, That too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray to you. And Lord, we ask that this one thing would be true in our lives, that we would know you. We would know the power of your resurrection. We pray these things. We hope in these things in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you would look up here, how many fingers am I holding up? Not a trick question, not a sobriety test. How many fingers am I holding? One finger. The message today is about the main thing, the one thing. And Paul talks about that here in this passage. I have three points this morning all swirling around this one thing, keeping the main thing, the goal, the prize in front of us, which is what Paul will say in just a few minutes is knowing Christ. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, be very careful if your Bible is your phone Bible to not get distracted, but would you flip to Philippians? That's like the fourth uh, time we've done that joke. It's still funny, (laughs) at least in my head. So if you flip to Philippians chapter 3, we're going to talk about three things this morning. First is a question. Do you want to know Christ? The second point, one, two, and three. Second point will be about forgetting what is behind, pressing on to what is ahead. And then the third and final point is what is that one thing? And we will go back to that main thing. So if you're flipped to Philippians, it's still funny in my head. Uh, <laughs> Philippians 3.10 says this, and I, I thought I had this fleeting thought, don't worry, we're not going to do it, but I thought maybe we should take our shoes off to read this passage because this is holy ground, this is holy scripture. And then I thought that would be weird, we won't have to do it, we, we just lighten the mood, we don't, we're not going to take our shoes off right now. But I want you to understand this passage, it's one of those passages in my life, in my thinking of the whole Bible, the whole New Testament, it's one of those passages that stands out to me and gives me encouragement. This is the holy word of God. I'm going to reread the first three verses here that uh, Mr. Stanton already read. I want to know Christ, is what Paul says, Philippians 3, 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings, become like him in his death, and then somehow, and so somehow, obtain to the resurrection of the dead. And then he reminds those that are reading the letter, not that I've already obtained this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I Press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
If someone came in, maybe you're new to church or you're listening to these words, this probably sounds like a foreign language. This does sound like what is called Christianese. These words, the resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, attaining to the resurrection. These are foreign words to the outside world. These are words that make us different than the world around us. I remember as a, as a kid, at some point, I heard the term alien as it applies to us as Christians, that we are aliens in this world. And I, I thought to myself, like, whoa, that's weird. an alien? Like, this whole Christian thing just got a whole lot weirder and cooler at the same time. We're aliens? And the Sunday school teacher would say, well, we're aliens in the sense that we're not of this world. And I was like, yeah, keep talking. What do you mean? It's like, well, we, our citizenship is in heaven. And it's not about, like, Martians. It's about not being from this place. And so I imagine if people come in here and, and check out our church and listen to the things we say, I imagine at some point they would say, you all aren't from around here, is ya? And we would say, you're right. We are not. Our citizenship, next week we'll talk about the passage where Paul says, our citizenship is not of this world. It is of heaven. And one of the things that makes it that way is that we are laser dead focused on the goal, the one thing which Paul will say is knowing Christ. Here Paul talks about uh, an analogy. Paul uses analogies quite a bit. Uh, good writers, good speakers use analogies to connect with the audience. And here Paul is using one about a race. We could call this passage, I've heard this passage called, The Amazing Race. Not to be confused with the song, Amazing Grace, and surely not to be confused with the TV show, CBS, The Amazing Race, where people run around and try to get to certain checkpoints, and then when they don't make it, they're kicked off. Not so much Amazing Grace in the show, Amazing Race. But anyways, The Amazing Race. Paul uses a lot of sports analogies. I imagine if he was living today, he would be some sort of a sports fan. Maybe he'd be a football fan. Maybe he'd be a Broncos fan. Probably not this season. <laughs> Too soon? Too soon? No, okay. Uh, we, we don't know. He, he was really, he must have been. I'm just kind of guessing. This is just me uh, guessing that he must have been into sports and the people around him as he was writing to them must have been into sports because he uses sports a lot to make points, to make comparisons with uh, the life of Christ and sports. He talks about fighting the good fight, boxing. He talks about wrestling, Ephesians. He talks about uh, quite a bit. His favorite is probably the foot race, some sort of long-distance race. Corinthians, he talks about this. Galatians, he talks about this. And here in Philippians 3, he is talking about running a race. Anybody runner in here? Raise your hand if you... Some of you are like, well, I'm not a professional runner. It's like, if you ran at all in the last 30 days, raise your hand. If you're a runner. Okay, you, look at all the runners. We got some runners. Good. Well done. You're running. Some people love running. They just enjoy it. Some people hate it, but do it for exercise. Uh, some people really get into it and start doing races. Anybody ever do a 5K uh, race? Anybody ever do... Uh, take it up a notch, a half marathon? Any half marathon? Oh, yes, yes. I see those hands. I see that hand. Marathon? Anybody? Okay. All right. 
Um, well done. Yeah, we have a very fit congregation. Good. That's, that's actually, I was, I was expecting like maybe one. I'd be happy if one, but I saw quite a few. Uh, here's another one taking it up uh, quite a few notches uh, an ultra marathon. That's any distance longer than a marathon. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, Daniel Martinez, who's not here. He's sick today, uh, but he is into ultra. And then Zach, uh, he, he's also done some ultras. And his wife, Amy, I think, have done some ultra marathon. That's any distance above uh, a marathon, which is, do you know, 26 point some. It's ridiculous. It's a marathon. That's a long distance to run. An ultra is longer than that. So it could be a 50K, could be a 50 miler, could be a 100 miler. Or in this case, I'm going to tell you a story about a 544 mile race. It's in Australia. It goes from the city of Sydney, 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 you know. To the other city of Melbourne, 544 miles. It's a race. People from all over show up to do this race. It's like an ultra of ultra marathons. It's ridiculous. 500, think about that for just a second. 544 miles. Goodness, that's a lot. So runners from all over show up. They got their Nikes. They got their backpacks and their water bottles and the water bottle backpacks. And they, they're there to run this very long distance. And years ago, at the beginning of, of this, the history of this race, there was a guy... Uh, a gentleman, a farmer that showed up to run this race. And he'll, he'll become this national hero uh, for the Australians. But his name is Cliff Young. You might not know Cliff Young unless you're into the world of ultra marathons. Then you would know him. He's pretty famous amongst that crowd. Cliff Young is a 61-year-old farmer at this point. He's a sheep farmer. He showed up to this race with overalls, crooked teeth, Farmer's hat and farmer's boots, like the, you know, talking about the mudding boots that you'd like clean out a barn with. He shows up to this race to run. And everyone thought, like, he's just a weird little guy, show up to watch, that's kind of weird. But he was there to run. He signs up for the race, he enters the race, and people just look at him like he's crazy. 61 years old, never has run before. He's never competed in marathons, never run long distance, certainly never run an ultra of any, any sort, much less this race of 544 miles. Goodness gracious. Shows up to race Lines up with the other guys with their Nikes and their Reeboks and their water bottle backpacks and all this stuff. And the gun goes off and boom, it's just like the story of the rabbit and the turtle, the hare, the hare and the tortoise. You you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) The Nike runners with their water bottle backpacks, they go out running. They are miles ahead of this guy. And this guy, he starts off like the turtle. In fact, you can you can YouTube, don't do it now, do it later, don't do it now. But you could YouTube, once again, not now, but later, the, what's his name again? The Cliff Young Shuffle. You could, you, you could see videos of this guy running. And it's really not a run, it's really not a walk, it's kind of like this. It's just, just, you know, just running around, he, he's running, he's setting out for 500 miles, 544 miles, like that. It's not a run, it's not a walk, it's a shuffle. And now scientists have, have rewatched him shuffling and they've, they've <laughs> shuffling. They said, oh, this is actually a pretty effective way of moving for very long distances. It's not hard on your knees like running, but it's a little faster than walking. It turns out that this is pretty, uh, pretty good strategy. So this guy, 
Cliff Young starts off like that. And he doesn't know, at least in my mind, he doesn't know. I imagine he does know. But you're supposed to. You know, there's not really rules about this. But you're supposed to. All the other runners, what they do is they run 18 hours. And then they sleep for six. And they plan to do this for about seven to ten days to complete this huge ultra marathon. Oh, Cliff Young and at least in my mind, he's like, he's, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that that's what you're supposed to do. He's a farmer. He's a sheep farmer. He still lives with his mom at 61 years old. He's an interesting guy. You could YouTube him later. You could uh, Google him later. Not now. Later. Not now. Later. But this guy, he starts off at this race doing the shuffle, and he doesn't stop. So all the other runners get out ahead of him. Then they go to sleep. And what does Cliff do? He just keeps running for one day, for two days, for three days, for four days, almost five days, this guy runs the 544 miles, wins the race, not by two minutes, not by two hours. He wins the race. He breaks the record that had been in place by two days, <laughs> becomes a national hero. Look it up. Not now. Later. Look it up, though. Not now. Later. It's crazy. And they, go, they were like, well, who is this guy? What in the world? Who is this? Well, he's Cliff Young. And so they, re, they are like, go back to the interviews that were interviewing him before the race. And what he says sounds a whole lot like what David said when he was running into battle with Goliath. I'll talk about that in just a second. But here's what Cliff Young, the farmer, the 61-year-old farmer, said. See, I grew up on... Actually, he's Australian, so I don't know what that... <laughs> What is, a, what, is a, what is a farmer? Any, I won't try. See, I grew up on a farm where we couldn't afford horses or four-wheel drives the whole time I was growing up. Whenever the storms would roll in, I would have to go out and round up the sheep. We had 2,000 head and we had 2,000 acres. Sometimes I would have to run those sheep for two or three days. It took a long time, but I would catch them. And I believe I could run this race. It's only two more days than that. Five days. I've run sheep for three days. Like, what? Like, who is this guy? What? It's like, from the time you were young, you were out. Every time a storm would roll in, you would, like, run around for three days straight? Like, you've been training your whole life for this moment. That's crazy. Think about what David says. You know the story I've preached on it a couple months back when David, this little boy, goes out to fight this warrior. They say, David, you have no business going out into this battle. He is a trained man. He is going to kill you. You are just a little boy. What does David say? My whole life, I was a shepherd. And when a lion came in, when a bear came in, I would take my sling, I would kill the bear, I would kill the lion, I'm going to do that just like I did, I'm going to do kill Goliath just like I killed the lion, just like I killed the bear, because God is with me. And think about this, like I imagine, here's, here's the, one of the points I'm, I'm making here. Paul says it like this, verse 14, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. David has his eyes on the prize. Um, this, this guy, this runner, Cliff Young, he has his eyes on the prize. I'm just going to run. I've been doing this. I've been training. And I thought about in my head, like, some of us are in here training, like, week after week, day after day, month after month. It's just the things Christians do. We're not a part of this world. We're, we're of a, a heavenly kingdom. We read our Bible. We serve. We go to church. We train our own kids in righteousness. We listen to people. We care for people. We, take, we do times of fasting and sharing our faith. We 
pray with people. We visit the sick. We get up early for devotion. We pray. We listen to worship music. These are the things we do day after day. And this is a part of the day-to-day life in which we live. And it's for Christ. It's to know him, to keep our eyes locked on him and knowing him. There's a book title. I love the book. I love the title. It's by a, a, a man by the name of Eugene Peterson, who I look up to in his pastoral writing. He wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a book about discipleship, and I think that's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's, he's using this race analogy. He's saying that the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. Of course, we can add to it if we need to. I don't know that we need to, but we could say, well, it needs to be the right direction. A long obedience in the same right direction. I think there's a lot of us that would say, and I'm not going to ask this question, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I think some of you would say right away, like, I know I've veered off. I know that in my life, my focus, my one thing is not Jesus. I've veered. I've, I've wandered. And there, the good news, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is already, always ready to be that one thing. We can turn from a direction that we know is wrong and turn to him. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Think about, I uh, heard this story this week of a, of a guy who's a missionary in a foreign country, he spends his life knowing Jesus and making him known in foreign lands. He travels quite a bit. And uh, he, he didn't grow up in the church, didn't grow up in a missionary family. He grew up uh, pretty rough and uh, got into a lot of trouble as a kid, made some horrible choices, was very uh, selfish with his choices, hurt people, ends up going to jail, had a Bible in his jail cell and tells the story that uh, he just, it was a book to him. It was nothing, it was just uh, like any other book. And so he was ripping pages out of his Bible and using it to roll up things and to smoke them. So he was using his Bible to smoke them. And think about like the words of life that are written on that page and the metaphor of like ripping out those pages and using them to escape this world, using them to, to get high, using the words, uh, the paper on the pages of the Bible to, to go further into death and escape this world when there's uh, written on them are the pages, the words of life. But anyways, at some point... He starts reading the Bible, stops ripping it up and starts reading it and becomes a Christian. Says, I want to know this Christ. He gets involved in a church in the jail, gets out, devotes his life to Christ, devotes his life to being a missionary. And here he is sharing this testimony of how he smoked the Bible and now he's reading the Bible. Like, wow, that's, this is the good news for anyone, like that we can change directions and follow him, that he, no matter where we are, he can be our one thing. And this involves point number two. So here we are at a three-point sermon. Point number two is this, forget what is behind. Forget what is behind. Here's how Paul words it, verse 12. He reminds us that he has not obtained all this Or have I already arrived at my goal? But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So there's tension here between him taking a hold, Christ already taking hold, him working, but Christ already doing the work. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. It's going to sound like two, but it's really one thing. One thing. One thing. How many fingers am I holding up? One finger. One thing, this is what I do, forget what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. 
He strains so hard ahead that just naturally the things are being forgotten of that which is behind. In verse 14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Classic Pauline writing here where he's doing two, it's like he's saying two things are true. I haven't obtained it, but I have obtained it. Uh, I'm taking a hold of it, but it's been taken hold of me. I'm straining forward, but I'm forgetting what is behind. Classic, classic Paul in his writing. And he tells us to forget what is behind. It's sad when people live in the past, isn't it? If you look back in your own past, maybe there's huge mistakes in your own past. You look back and you have the scars that will never heal, maybe literally on your body of horrible mistakes you've made. Maybe your, your finances are in horrible disarray because of mistakes you've made in the past. And maybe you struggle with this. Maybe you know people who really struggle with it, who cannot forget the past and the mistakes and go on for that. Paul says, forget it. Forget what is behind Press on to what is ahead. Press on to know Christ and the prize. The other side of that might be someone who is, uh, looks back and they think, oh, the, the, the glory days were, were back there. The, the, they were beauty queens and now they're maybe not so much. And they're just like, oh, if only I could get back. I think about that character uh, on Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico. Do you know this guy? He, he only can think about his, he's like in his 40s and he's living in a van talking about the glory days of high school football and almost taking state. And he lives in a van, he films himself playing by himself football and practicing these moves. Like, no man, forget the past. Press on towards the goal. Jesus is alive and we can know him. Forget the past. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, there's something to be said about the past and learning, growing, dealing with it, healing from the past. But I think there's some of you, and, and I think we all know people like this, it's easier to point out things in other people sometimes, isn't it? Actually, all the time. It's easier. It's like, oh, you messed up. I'm not fine. I'm doing great. But the, the wallowing in the, the, in the, in the past I think there's, there's some part of it like sin that you get in and it messes you up, but then there's the wallowing that takes you even deeper into the past and, and the sin. I think about a, a wallow. Do you know what a wallow is? Anybody? It's like, it's like a mud pit. I remember researching this for uh, elk hunting. Any elk hunters in here? No? A couple? No? Okay, a couple. If, if you're all card-carrying pita holders, uh, know that I've never killed an elk. I've just gone elk hunting a whole bunch, so, so there's that. But uh, an elk has wallows, so they'll, this is, this is going to get a little gross here, but an elk will find a little dirt pile and then uh, urinate at it and then roll around in it, and then in the days and days and weeks to come, we'll keep going back to this wallow mud pit and doing the same thing. It's disgusting. That's, that's yucky. Like, why? what wrong with you that that's okay? Like, it's, you're an elk. So we don't wallow in our sin. I think about that image that some of us are just feel like we're trapped sometimes in a pit of mud in the past. And Paul says, forget that. Press on. And you really want to press on? You really want to know how to do this? One thing. One thing, Jesus Christ, know him, know the power of the resurrection. Don't be miserable looking at the past. Press forward. There's YouTube videos out there. Don't YouTube this now. YouTube this later. Not now. 
later, uh, about uh, if you YouTube the, the phrase uh, celebrate too early. There's these compilation videos of people uh, running races, bicycle races, uh, any kind of sports, like celebrating. They just won. Yay! And then up from behind comes someone and they actually just lost the race. Why? Because they were celebrating. I think of one video where, where someone is looking behind their, their right shoulder and running and they've got it. They've, they're, they're a couple of paces in front of someone else running the race and they're starting to celebrate. I got this. I'm going to win. And guess what's on the other side of them? Somebody else sprinting right past them and they end up not taking first. You can't run looking behind you. Forget the past. Press on. Know Christ. Point number three is this. And this three-point sermon, the last point is this. And it's a question. Like the first point was a question. This point is a question. What is your one thing? What is your one thing? Do you have a one thing? Have you thought about it like that? Uh, the, the New English translation says, uh, Paul says, I am single-minded. The version we read says, one thing, one thing that I do. This is what I do. I press on. I want to win the prize. I want to know Christ. Soren Kierkegaard, the Christian Danish philosopher, said, purity of heart is to will one thing. In fact, there's a whole book titled that, Purity of Heart. Do you want to be pure in your heart? Then will one thing. Think about this analogy uh, that I've heard a couple times. It's a very powerful one. It's one where uh, I've, at least the first time I saw it was a professor putting a big jar on a desk. Uh, and he pulls out from uh, uh, behind his desk these big rocks. And he places these big rocks into the jar and ask the class, is the jar full? And the class is like, yeah, it's full of big rocks. And then he pulls out some pebbles, much smaller rocks. <laughs> Shakes it, <laughs> fills it up with, now there's big rocks and pebbles in there. Ask the class, is it full? And then by this time, they kind of know, well, well, some of them say yes, some of them say no. So then he, he picks out a, a jar of sand, puts the sand in, <laughs> shakes it, puts the sand, sand gets filled into the cracks of where the big rocks and the pebbles aren't, asks the class, is it full? And some are like, yeah. And some are like, well, man, ah. And he pulls out a jar of water, fills then the jar all the way full, brimming across, it's full. And he says, what's the point in all that? And, and one of the kids, kind of a smart aleck, says, well, uh, no matter how busy our schedules get, we could always cram more in there. <laughs> the teacher's like, no, 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 no. The point is this. The point is, if we don't put the big things in first, then we will never get them in. If we fill it up with pebbles, we fill up a jar with sand, we, you can never then get in the big things. We need to fill in our lives with the big things first. One thing, Paul says, to know Christ. One thing, to know him. You, if you know anything about uh, professional athletes, you know that they do not become professional, the best in their field, the best in their sport, by uh, just watching videos or reading books. They go out there and they do it, and they focus on one thing, one thing only. A marathon athlete is not a sprinter. A sprinter is not a basketball player professionally. A professional basketball player is, is rarely ever a, a professional football player, and so on and so forth. People focus on one thing, and then they become the best in the world at that one thing. 
Imagine if uh, Peyton Manning, at the height of his career, the the quarterback, uh, said, I'm going to switch it up. I'm still going to play football, but I want to be the the defensive, you know, the guard, the guy that's blocking everybody. It's like, what? No, one thing. You've spent your whole life concentrating on one thing. You're the best at that. You can't do anything else. You're the the best at this one thing because you have focused on it. Or maybe you could YouTube this later. (laughs) Not now. Later. Not now, later. Uh, Charles Barkley, he is, what does he play? Basketball. He's one of the best. He's Hall of Famer. Some of you might still consider him a hero in the sport. Uh, YouTube later, not now, but later, Charles Barkley plays golf. It is a horrible scene. I'm not even a golfer. I'm just like, ooh, that's bad. That's a bad swing. Charles Barkley, you are a, a professional basketball player, and you've concentrated on one thing your whole uh, professional athletic career. You can't do anything. Like, you can't then go pick up another sport. It's No, you've been focused. You are focused on one thing, and the, the, the beauty of that is life. In that one thing, for us as Christians, it's life with Christ pressing on to a goal. And some of us might not uh, have a goal. We think about, like, I'm asking you, uh, what's your one thing? And maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe you've, like, I don't know if I could say one thing. Well, think about that for a minute. I think a lot of people go through life just having fun, playing games. I think about, like, toddler soccer. Anybody have toddlers in soccer? They run around, they kick the ball. If they score a goal on their own team or the other team, it doesn't matter. You cheer at the end of the game. They're all running around. Everybody's drinking uh, uh, orange juice and whatever they're doing and talking. And it's like, who won? Who knows? Like, no one's keeping score. We're just all out here having fun. And that's fine. But as you get older, like I remember for me in middle school, I had a coach, Coach Washington. And he was a great coach. He, he said things like, I'm not here to have fun. You guys aren't here to have fun. We are here to win. I'm here to make you boys into men. I'm here to teach you something in this game that hard work does pay off. We are going to go into each and every game ready. We are going to go into each and every game to win that game. And we were like, yeah, I guess we're not toddlers playing basketball anymore. We got one thing when we play soccer, and that's to win. And I loved it. And we had a lot of fun. But he was about one thing. We are going to win. We're going to be focused on the goal. And for us as Christians to be focused on the goal, to not be lukewarm. Paul says it like this. He's, he's uh, saying, for all of us that are mature, verse 15 here says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. So what's, what's the view? To be focused on Christ, to, to, to just aim your sights at him, to never give up, to run after Christ, to know him. That's what we should do. And if at some point you think differently, He's kind of saying, if some point you think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just having fun here in life. We're just play, playing toddler soccer, kicking the ball wherever we want to do. If that's what you're doing, well, then I pray. I pray that God will make it clear to you. And then he encourages them, live up to what you have already obtained. You've obtained salvation. Live up to that. Know Christ. I'm going to tell you one last story. It's, a, it's another runner story. And then we'll go to the table. We, uh, every Sunday we take communion. It's the, our way of um, receiving from Christ this mystery of his body and the blood shed for us and, and recognizing that we can't do it. It is him. He is taking hold of us as we run and press and try to take hold of him. He has already taken hold of us. It's this beautiful mystery. But here's the story. There's a lady uh, years ago, Beth Ann Decaptis, I think is her last name. She was a marathon runner, an Olympic hopeful. 
She uh, is all set up to uh, go to the Olympics, to go to the Olympics uh, to represent the United States in the marathon for the women. You have to run a marathon, uh, 26 point, uh, was it two? Two miles. You have to run a marathon in two hours and 45 minutes to go to the Olympics. That's what you have to do. That's like about six minute miles. Uh, she begins, so she goes into this qualification to be um, a marathon runner in the Olympics. She gets into mile 23. <laughs> I giggle because she starts having problems at mile 23. I would have problems uh, a lot earlier than mile 23. These are six-minute miles. I can't run one, not to mention uh, 26 of them back to back. But this lady, she's running. She's doing really good. She's way ahead. She's doing great. Looks like she's easily now going to make it and be uh, a representative of the U.S. in the Olympics that year. In a mile 23, something happens. She, uh, her legs give out. She really starts walking, taking it slow, slowing way down. Runners are zooming past her, and the time is still ticking. And things get here now very serious for her that she might not make this qualifying round. Somewhere with, uh, I think it was like five, six minutes left, she falls to the ground, and she stumbles to get up. She struggles to get up. She's out of energy. Her muscles are locking up. She begins walking. She's still set to, to make it. And then right before the, the straightaway, she can see now the goal. She could see right around the corner and see that there's the finish line. She begins walking and then falls to the ground and can't get up. For 30 seconds, she sits there. The clock is still ticking. She's still under time. And the crowd starts to chant, get up, get up. You can do it. Get up. She gets up, she falls back down, she gets up, falls back down, realizes that the only way she's going to make this straightaway, the, the finish line is just right there, is if she crawls. And so she starts crawling, the time is still ticking, and she gets there. Two minutes, 44 minutes, 57 seconds, three seconds early. She did it. She made it. Eyes focused, laser locked on the goal on the prize, she makes it. I think about that as the Christian life, that some of us are in different places at the beginning of the race, running hard. Some of us are starting to walk. Some of us are sitting down, our eyes focused on the end. But there we are, sitting down, people around us. Come on, you can do it. Get up, get up. One thing. How many fingers am I holding up? One thing. I think about what is that one thing in our life? Is it knowing Christ? Would you stand with me? Would you reflect on these words? I'm going to reread this passage. The band, you guys can come up. In a minute, we're going to come down and Brett will give us some instructions for the table. It's an open table of all those that believe in Jesus as Lord. You can come forward. Brett will give us some directions. But I want you, as you're standing now, to think about the race, to think about the spiritual walk that we are all in, knowing Christ, coming forward for communion, walking, keeping our eyes on the cross that is at the center of this room. Paul says this, it's rereading here the passage, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, to participate in his sufferings, become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. 
Now that I, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained.